Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. Got some disco music up there. Are y'all hear that? Okay. So what it is, is it's the, um, it's the purple thing at the very top to the right. It's plugged in. You just click it. That's all you got to do. And uh, it's like a one, two, three, and then you'll see a little metronome at the very top. Click that button. And Okay, good. Now you don't have to see my, like, dance moves. You, you saved yourself, but just to show you, I can floss, okay? I don't floss my teeth, but I can, I can do No, I'm just kidding. You're like, do you really not floss your teeth? No, I eat breath mints all the time. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so um, I know I got my, my amen um, right here, all right? Yep, yep. And I got a couple more, maybe, a, a couple people in here. But today is a special day. I had to bring my own amen and group here today. So my family's here. And if I can't get an amen out of them, then I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm super excited about what we got going on this morning. And the title of the message is simply called, that's all that's all and you'll see what that's about later but last week did anybody know what we talked about last week anybody want to take a guess about what we talked about last week we talked about the spiral of sin right right the spiral of sin and so the spiral of sin it goes something like this it goes temptation to shame temptation to sin sin to shame shame to a promise of God promise to God broken shame builds spiral grows and over time what that does is when we're about 15 16 years old we may start struggling with the sin 15 16 17 but by the time we're 61 62 63 we're still struggling with that same sin many times and over time hey there we go all right yes all right and then over time that can develop in us a sense of hopelessness we will never defeat that sin. So what did we talk about? We talked a little bit about it starts with our thoughts. How do we, how do we overcome this? It starts with our thoughts. It's the battle of the mind. And so the scripture says it something like this. It says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Wednesday night, we were talking about, do you remember this, Miss Diane? We talked about the little uh, flying squirrel, right, Wednesday night, like they got around here. Think about, and some of you remember the flying squirrel. I don't, but think about all the chaos that went to trying to get this flying squirrel that was in the sanctuary, flying around, all the chaos that went into getting that one little squirrel boxed up and thrown out. Now think about 30,000 thoughts a day. How are we supposed to take every single thought captive? How? And make it obedient to Jesus Christ. But it's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to do. But then it goes from remember the thoughts of the temptation, how we had the temptation, and how even if we walk through the door of the temptation, it doesn't mean that there is no way out because the Bible says that God is faithful to offer a way out and to explain this. Uh, Mr. J, I'm so glad you weren't here <laughs> last Sunday because you'd have killed me right here on stage. I just dropped dead. All right, so last Sunday I went to y'all's cabin and I walked in and I just walked through the gates. Huge gates walked in. But then... As you go further down into temptation, you kind of have to like get small and just kind of like go like this and squeeze. And I ate a whole lot of meat last night, so I'm not sure I could fit through the gate this morning. But I, you squeeze through the gate, right? And it's harder, but you got a little sliver. 
And then it even gets harder where, you know, you can't squeeze through the gate anymore. Now you have to run all the way down and, 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 and go under the fence and get the, to the other side. And that's often how temptation is, that the more we go along, the smaller the door gets, but the greater the consequences are. Isn't that right? Yeah the greater the consequences are. But ultimately we came to this idea that the best way to say no to temptation, right, is to say yes to another door, and that other door is called the invitation. The best way to say no to temptation is to say yes to the invitation that God has for us in our life. And guess what? It left us all like this. Oh, man, it left us all depressed. Like, we are just a bunch of sinners. Like, what is going on? I was talking to Mr. Donnie after, and Mr. Donnie said, you know what, I hate to say it, but I'm 60-something um, now, and I think that I may be, I think I may be wrestling with, with sin all the way up until I die. I said, yep, you're right, and we all will be, and we all will be. But guess what? I was reading my Bible last night, and guess what it said? It says this, but he gives greater grace and can I like hear some like little clapping or something for somebody that says like I am so God that God that I'm so glad that God gives me greater grace in my life I'm so glad that as my sin piled up his grace was even higher that I mean all the you say Drake but I've sinned I've like fallen short of the glory of God I've been addicted for years there's no way I've hurt people I've hurt myself I've hurt everything that is God glorifying I've turned the opposite to Way, opposite way will add up all the sin in your life and all the addiction and all the hurt people add it all together but the verse still says but he gives greater grace so can we get a little bit of clap in here church hey thank god that he gives greater grace in our life so the sermon today is called Shh. And it'll, we're going to be looking at matthew 1 matthew 1 so let's go there if you have your bibles matthew 1 Let's go, let's, go, um, let's go to Mark 1. <laughs> be a lot better than Matthew 1. Let's go to Mark 1. Mark 1, verse 10. Verse 10. Drake, you wore a jacket today, and you wore a bow tie. What is going on? <laughs> My grandparents are in town, so I had to dress nice. <laughs> they had to kill me. <laughs> Mark 1, verse 10, says this. It says, As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. Guess what it says next? Verse 12 says this. Then the Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. And a lot of times that's how it is in my life that the greatest thing that we could ever experience is often followed by the biggest tragedy. Have you ever seen that? And your best relationship with God when you grew the most will often be followed by the biggest trials and the biggest temptations. And that is exactly where Jesus found himself. And if it's true for Jesus, it's much more true for us, I believe. And here's what it says. Then the Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals, and the angels came and took care of him. Well, let's pray, and we'll get started. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Um, thank you for letting us be here today. 
I pray that you would just clear our minds, clear our thoughts, so where we could, our ears could understand, um, our eyes could see. God, I pray that I pray for me that I would do a good job at delivering what you have put on my heart, God. And um, if you would just take a couple of moments and pray for me that God would use me and that that I would be useful to you. So God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen and amen. Good. So my whole life, I always thought that Jesus went into the wilderness for really just one reason, and that was to be tempted by Satan. Jesus went because he was about to be tempted by Satan. But that, but that presupposes one fallacy, and that is that Jesus didn't like the wilderness. Because in Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, here's what it says. It said that Jesus went out among the wilderness often. And in Luke 5, 16, it says that he would, it says it again, he would often withdraw himself from civilization and go into the places of wilderness. Because why? Because Jesus liked wilderness. Get this, get this, get this. All right. So, a lot of times people think that like Jesus, Jesus, um, he, 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 you know, pumped up his muscles and became like real big. It was like, okay, now I'm going into this, to this wilderness, like kind of like Normandy. I'm going to storm the beaches of this wilderness. I'm going to overcome the wilderness so that years later I can do ministry. But I think it's opposite, actually. I think that Jesus went into the wilderness because he had ministry. In other words, the G- Jesus went to the wilderness and it made his ministry possible. Jesus knew, hey, Satan's coming my way. I want to rearrange the battlefield. I want to change the battleground. I'll explain it a little bit like this. Get this, all right? And let me sidebar here and say this, all right? The devil is not omnipresent like that we see in Scripture. The devil is not everywhere. The devil's probably not in your car battery when it won't start. The devil's not under every rock. The devil is not omnipresent. But we do know that he sends like demons you, you, to different to different places. Let's say there may be like maybe like a New Orleans or like a um, on the Memphis beat us in basketball last night. So like a Memphis or something, you know, right? Or like here's what the Bible says. It says it was the Prince of Persia. And so we know that demons are actually assigned to different locations, locales, but guess what? So are angels. So are angels. And so angels are actually like guardian angels. You know, you hear about that, maybe even pray for it. That's actually a pretty biblical thing. And I think that you should pray that God would um, that have his hand on your kids and that God would send angels to protect them because there really is a spiritual warfare that is, that, that, that is going on. Okay, so get this, get this. This is, this is, this is crazy. All right. Um, does anybody like raising canes? I don't know in here. Does anybody like raising canes? Why do you like raising canes? If you tell me the sauce, I'm going to throw. Okay, why do you like raising canes? For the sauce. No, I knew you was going to say that. I knew you was going to say that. Anybody else really like raising canes? Just raise your hand. Okay. The, huh? Okay, it's crispy. Wow, you're so, you know, that's not what I was going for. Okay, anybody else? Really? Chicken, chicken, chicken. Okay, yeah, yeah. We're so different. We are like uh, sweet tea. Who said sweet tea? We are so in the South. Okay, wow. We are from the South right here. Bowman City. Yeah, sweet tea right there. Okay, well, let me tell you what I like. Okay, does anybody want to know why I like raising canes? No, we don't. Okay, here's why. They're bread. It's on point. 
is on point. You know, yes, thank you so much. I'll get a clap for that. All right. Jesus is Lord. Crickets. I, Raisin can has good bread. Let's clap, right? Yes, let's clap. Okay, so I will go order the box combo. Will I get, what will I say? Will I get coleslaw? No, absolutely not. No coleslaw, extra toast, and I will get like tons of pieces of toast. Why? Because it's so good. And now here Satan comes up after G- to Jesus, and he's like, what's up, bro? I know you're hungry. Do you want to turn that stones into some bread? Maybe even some Raisin Cane's bread? And then Jesus spoke scripture to him. And Jesus spoke scripture to him. He's like, bro, me and God have been talking back here in day six. I already know man cannot live by bread and bread alone. We, we defeated that way back. And then so Jesus takes him up and says, hey, why don't you just jump down? It's like, I'm not going to test the Lord my God. We dealt with that on day 15. In 40 days in the wilderness, 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus had time alone in the quiet, in the shh, in the quiet. And it was that that led him to be able to fight with Scripture. And it was in that relationship that Jesus grew. Okay, let, let, me, say it, let me say it like this. Let me say it like this. In the quiet, in the quiet, we grow in our relationship with God. Okay, in the quiet. Here's what David said. David said it like this. David said, God, let me be able to quiet my soul. Let me be able to quiet my soul. And so that's what we want to be able to do. We want to be able to quiet our soul. <clears throat> let's, <clears throat> let's, um, <clears throat> let's acknowledge the world that we live in, okay? Let's acknowledge the world that we live in. In 2007, Steve Jobs came up on stage and he was like, boom, the iPhone, the iPhone, 2007. And he changed the world so that now we are walking around as 25-year-olds or 45-year-olds or 15-year-olds. And you know what we're carrying in our pocket? We are carrying infinity in our pocket. And we were never made to carry infinity amounts of information in our pockets. Never. Like, if you give uh, your car keys to a 7-year-old, what do you expect is going to happen? They're going to run. They're going to make a mess. They may hit a tree. Say, well, Drake, I was driving when I was 6. I was sitting on my daddy's lap driving. Okay, well, that's, that's great. All right? If you give your car. We were never ready. No generation ever in the history of humanity in the last however many years has ever, ever, ever had infinity in their pockets, but yet in 2007 we did. We did, and it's just grown. It has grown so much this, like we can, um, we can binge watch, we can binge watch like a Netflix series, like, ah, another show, another show, another show. Or we can, we can go to sleep scrolling through Instagram, can't we? And somehow likes produce purpose and meaning. It even can get overwhelming, like if you look at your like, text messages, like, oh, I have a million different people to respond to. And it's all the time, but it doesn't even have to be the bad things. It can be like some really amazing things that keep us from silence. It can be like another great sermon by Louis Giglio. Or it can be an amazing podcast by Ben Stewart that you listen to. Or it can be a TED Talk. Or it can be another, um, I don't know, college lecture from Jordan Peterson. Have you ever heard Jordan Peterson? That dude is brilliant. Or it can be uh, the next fire hill song album that they drop and Clayton's coming out with a new album Friday so you know we can get distracted by a lot of great things in our life 
It doesn't just have to be the bad things. It can be some really amazing things. And we bring it all into our life, but what do we give in return? We lose silence. And hear me, please hear me. And I'm going to take this off because I'm like burning up and everything. Please forgive me. Okay, no, I'm not because that's going to. All right. What are we giving up when we do that? What are we giving up when we do that? Here's what we're giving up. There is no generation, Mr. R., no generation in this ever lived that had the opportunity to so tweak and tune their lives that they can actually output silence. But we have that possibility that by, from the time that we wake up in the morning to the time that we go asleep with our phone in our hand, we can so output any silence that we are always taking in new information. And it can even be good information, but if we do that, guess what we are giving up? We are giving up some intimacy, some time alone with God. We are giving up some intimate time alone with God. And there's a study that was done a couple years ago. It was done by APA, American Psychological uh, Association. Here's what they discovered. They discovered in their research that, let's say that, um, uh, who's your favorite person to listen to? Mr. Will? Sermon preacher, it doesn't matter. Talk show host, who's your favorite? You got a favorite? No, I just listen to. Who's your favorite musician? Anybody know? Okay, anybody have a favorite pastor that they like to listen to? David Jeremiah. Okay, Miss Becky, let's say you're listening to Mr. David, Brother David Jeremiah, right? And you listen to him for like two or three hours. You get two or three sermons worth of listening to Mr. David, Brother David Jeremiah. And at the end of it, you go out for a brunch in with your friends. Well, the study says this is that your mind, when you are listening to David Jeremiah, cannot actually turn off its social side. And so your mind thinks that while, while you are listening to David Jeremiah, that you are actually having a social interaction. And so that when you go to the brunch and with your friends, you can't engage socially because you are socially drained from the last three hours. And that is so true in my life, that I will be taking on this information and I think that it's like somehow social, but my brain cannot turn off. And so I will get on a brunch or on a dinner date with Kat or whoever we're all around, and I'm just exhausted socially because I have no silence. And I believe it would be true about all of us because we have no time to silence. Guess what? There's, uh, let me just tell you the fact. Let me share with you some facts about silence meditation. You can call it what you want it. But um, guess, get, get, in every book that you read, in every book that you read, you know what the number one topic right now is in 2021? The number one topic is something called, uh, it's called mindfulness. Mindfulness. Have you ever heard of it? Mindfulness. But all it is is this meditation without God. But we are actually discovering that, hey, look, prayer and silence to God, it, it's, 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 it's very close. Here's what we've discovered. Is that the brain is physically different. It's physically different from people who spend an hour or more in prayer a week. Their brain actually looks different. What do you mean? The part of your brain that uses your imagination is actually a lot healthier than people who spend an hour or more in prayer a week. Proven. Not only that, but do you know there's only two things that you can do that we've discovered as a human society that let your IQ not decrease over time? Because normal people, their IQ decreases as they 
get older. The only two things that you can do is physical exercise. That's the best because it pumps oxygen to your brain. But number two is this, is spending quiet time. Spending quiet time. Having some silence. Not only that, but guess what? There is the number one treatment in the world, not in America, okay, in the whole world for anxiety and depression. Do you know what it is? Anxiety and depression. Number one treatment, not in the U.S., but in the entire world. It's this. It is it is getting silent, getting silent, and praying. Different religions pray to different gods, but the same is true, is that we are silencing ourselves and having a time to think. And many of you maybe are in here, um, and you think something like this, Mr. Keith, like, when I get silent and I don't think about anything, then my mind really starts to turn. Like, uh, there's a famous theologian, she said this. She said, my mind is like the streets of New York. I prefer not to go in there alone. <laughs> and I think she has a point about that. Because when we do get silent, guess what happens then? It's like a million different thoughts come. And I would say, that's good, let them come. That is a good thing, let them come. Because the reason that it does that is because you are so, um, so seldomly quiet. You're so seldomly quiet that when you do get quiet, your brain rushes. It begins to think. That's good. Let it do that. Create those opportunities of silence. That's number one thing. My favorite, my favorite study was this. It was done by Yale. And, and as Yale finished this um, study, here's what they said. They said people who spend an hour or more in prayer or meditation or in mindfulness a week, an hour or more, they have less random thoughts. Their thoughts don't wonder. They are more focused. They are more focused. Their thoughts don't wonder. All that to say is, is that you are giving up a lot if you give up your quiet time. And in 2021, we have done that. I think we have done that. Because used to, like I was running the other day, and as I was running the other day, uh, I went down here across, um, what's this road called? Day Place Road? No, not Day Place Road. The road right beside, Pepper Wilson Road. And I was running down there, and there's this one lady that's always on her porch, and she just sits there, and I'll, I'll be running. I start waving. She'll always wave back. She's a really sweet lady, I guess. I don't know. I'm never talking to her. I just wave. And then there I go. Do you know, like, in 1980s, I guess, probably even before then, you know what you did when you got bored? You went outside, you probably lit you one up. Am I right? I don't know, maybe I'm not. And you just sat there. You just sat there and you talked. But what have we replaced that with? We have replaced that instead of silence or boredom or talking. Here's what we've replaced it with. It is true. It really is true, yeah. And that's cost us in our relationship with God because we don't know how to be silent. We don't know how to be silent. Because the moment that silence comes, the moment, you know, we're never bored. Have you ever thought about this? We are never bored because we, we don't allow ourselves to become bored. And you know what that's actually caused? It's crazy. We're never bored because we don't allow ourselves to be bored. That actually has made us be bored all the time. If you think about it. So what are we giving up? We are giving up a lot. Get this. Get this. The moment it goes silent, the moment that there's not a TV in the background, or the moment that we don't have, I mean, think about it like this. I have a, I have a,
have a Bluetooth speaker in my shower. The shower used to be the one time that you could be silent. Now we just fill it with music, you know, like even me. Like, I'll be listening to a podcast, listening to a sermon. We have no time. And, and specifically, and I'm talking about me too, no moments in our life that we have said, this is set of time, this is set aside. We're going to spend this hour in just prayer. We're not going to, it's for prayer. It's silent. We're not going to be taking in any information. Instead, we turn on our phone, we listen to music, listen to podcasts, listen to sermon, watch Netflix, scroll through Instagram, any of the number of things. Oh, man, it's silent. i got to look on Amazon. It's just silly, it's just silly right? And, and, we, and we do all these things. Let me, let, me, let me close by saying this. By the way, you are, um, you are almost at, you're almost at Zach. Not exactly. You're almost at Raising Cane's. You're about to be. You're, I'm almost done. You're about to be eating. Wherever you're going to eat, okay, you're about to be there. Let me say this, though. I want to close by saying that they did a study the other day, and they found out that teenagers today, the teenagers today had the same type of mental stability that psychiatric patients had in the 1950s. The, the study was their brains look the same. Their brains look the same. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Did you know that teenagers, I'll give you one more stat, and I'm done giving you stats. Teenagers today, I'm just showing you where we're at as a young people. Teenagers today, we need to pray for them, eh? We really do need to pray for them, eh? Teenagers today, they have more anxiety and depression, anxiety and depression, than the troops storming the beaches of Normandy had. So where did you get that? From the APA? I just read some of their articles. They did a test. We're struggling as a nation and in our relationship with God. And if it was up to me, my suggestion is, I think the number one, hey, Miss Melville, I think the number one reason is because we have lost that time of silence. We have lost that time of just saying, I'm going to turn my phone off, I'm turning Netflix off, and we don't have that time where we just say, shh, shh, enough is enough. Get this. You say, Drake, um, how, 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 how could we do better? What do we need to do better? Jesus, how did Jesus get from the baptism to the wilderness? Does anybody know? He walked. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't drive his cattle out. He walked. And so the number one thing I think that maybe we could do to be better at silence is we could walk. We could be in motion. We can take a walk. A bunch of you have some amazing, beautiful places. Take a walk on it. Take a walk on it. Be in motion. Secondly, we find out that it's in nature. Jesus was alone. He was with the wild animals. One of my friends, Brandon and Whitney, they had these cows and they love their cows. And the reason that they love their cows is because they can just go see it and they can talk to them. They don't talk back, but they just listen because they are in nature. And they'll often use that time to sit there and pray. It's the only time of the day where they have silence. And thirdly, what do we learn from the story of Jesus in the wilderness? We learn that he was, shh. We learned that it was in silence. It was in silence. And I think that we all need some more silence in our lives. And that will help our relationship with Jesus Christ.